All right, all right, all right. Good morning, everybody. If you could make your way to your seats. Come on in, find a seat. Let's get started. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody this morning? Good. That should be like a response. Yeah, we're doing great. I need to tell you, before we even start here, we need to give a big thank you to Shelby and Tamara. They had no idea, just as I had no idea, that they set you guys totally up for what's going to happen today. So God is good. Um, Thank you for being here in God's house. Thank you for waking up this morning. But most importantly, thank you for making a decision to spend time with God, right? It's not about spending time with me, obviously. Uh, It's about spending time with God. And he is here today. As you can see, obviously, I'm not Pastor Jeff. Pastor is recovering from it. Everybody knows what it is, right? He is doing well. He will be free from everything that he's got to be health-wise and freedom to go where he wants tomorrow. So just continue to be praying for his 100% uh, recovery from COVID. It's out there. Be smart. Um, And we won't give it any more credit than that. So he would appreciate your prayers. I can guarantee it. So please be praying for him. As many of you know, my name's Jeremy Roberts, but there's some faces out there I've never met before. So I'm going to give a full uh, rundown of who I am. My name's Jeremy Roberts and my wife, Becky, who's over in the Quest side right now. We are the youth directors here at RLC, and we've been doing this for 21 years, which is crazy. We've been blessed beyond measure that God has given us the opportunity to lead and impact the lives of hundreds of youth, if not thousands. I don't know, a thousand. I'm not sure. I don't count. But hundreds of youth for sure. Um, But we haven't been able to do it with lots of team members. There are several people here who have served in Quest over those 21 years to help it be successful and be the ministry that it is. So thank you so much to them. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, we have the opportunity to impact kids for the kingdom of God, which is great. Uh, I have the opportunity and honor and privilege this morning to share a message with you. And um, I believe this message is timely and applicable to all of our lives immediately. Um, But before we get started, I want to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. This is the day that you have made, Lord. We'll be sure to... We are rejoicing it and be glad in it, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. But most importantly, Lord, I I ask myself to be an obedient servant, Lord, that I can be your mouthpiece, Lord, that your words flow through me, Lord, and have an everlasting impact on the people who hear it, Lord. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. All right, so just so we get a little bit of understanding here, all right, um, usually when I have the opportunity to preach, I have at least six weeks to get prepared. God decided that he's going to give me four days. And to him be the glory. All right. So everything that's going to come out of me today, he gave to me in a timely fashion. Much different than it's ever been done before, but he's faithful. So uh, I got a question for you. One that we're all going to be be able to relate to. But who's had a worry or two lately? Right? I'm going to say that pretty much all of us have had some sort of worry in our life. 
right? Um, but and we're going to, like, interact here. Give me some, shout some of those worries out to me. What's health? Health. Cost of everything. Cost of everything. I like that. What? Yell it louder. Oil. Okay, oil, absolutely. What else? Raising kids. Raising kids. Hallelujah! <laughs> right? There's no way. They got worries all the time. I want to tell you a story that happened to my, my family yesterday. Absolutely insane. All you got to do is read the news, and we were part of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yes, we've got worries about finances, employment, right? Health, children, and so many other worries. But what I can tell you is, I am not aware of God not being with us through the worry. He's never checked out, but you know what it takes? It takes us to check in. All right? So we're going to define worry here, okay? Worry is to think about problems or fears, to feel or show fear and concern because you think something bad has happened or could happen. We've all felt this, right? And unfortunately, we feel it too often. It's around us all the time. But we're going to go into worry a little bit deeper here. Joyce Meyer has got an unbelievable definition of what worry is. Her definition of worry is to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. <laughs> How many people do that to themselves daily? Right? That's fun. Right? This isn't who we are. This isn't who God wants us to be. That's why today we're going to wipe worry out. All right? Joyce, like I said, she defines it as that. Why would we want to do this? Why would we want to torment ourselves with our thoughts? Does anyone want to, does, does any of us, is there anybody here who worries about good things? We don't. We don't worry about good things. We worry about all the bad things and the what-ifs that could happen, which is crazy. I do not think we think of worry or anxiety in the fashion of what fruit is it producing. The Bible says that we'll, we will be known by our fruit. When we look at worry, what fruit is worry producing? It's producing that torment and that anxiety and that worry and everything like that. So we really got to look at, in our lives, which way we're headed. So worry today, it has to go. We got to wipe it out, right? And today my goal is, is to hopefully give you some ways to do it through God. He showed me this stuff and I'm running with it. But we're going to just have a little bit of fun with worry for a minute. Just some other ways people define worry. Worrying is using your imagination to create something you don't want. If we don't want it, why are we giving it headspace? But how often do we give it headspace and allow it to take over our lives? It's pretty crazy. It goes on a different one. This is funny. Worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. We don't go give the car dealer a down payment on a car and not hope to get the car in the long run. So why are we giving worry this down payment of something that we don't want to take home with us? Right? Another one. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It means thinking of something over and over. We meditate on worry over and over. But think about how we can fight that by meditating on God's word over and over. We can dispose of worry if we do that. 
And this last one, I just think it's funny, first of all, because I haven't seen a rocking chair in a long time. But worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. We sit there in the rocking chair, and now they, like, automatically rock for you, so you don't even got to do anything, right? When you put your foot down, you just press back and forth, and I'm still there. I haven't gone anywhere. When we worry, it eats up so much of our time. Most of the time, we don't go anywhere, and we don't get the things done that we need to get done. It occupies us. So there are many other words in the Bible that coincide with the, wor- with the word worry. Some are fear, anxiety, anxiousness, to be afraid. I can tell you that I'm a high school teacher, and in our buildings, all we talk, it's anxiety is taking over the schools. Kids are anxious about everything, fearful about everything. Like we're getting taught how to be mental health professionals, pretty much, rather than teachers, because this is how many problems the kids are coming to us with. Anxiety and fear, a loss of hope, being afraid, is huge. But this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Interestingly enough, the word worry comes from an old English word that means to strangle. Take a second. Think about the correlation between those two words. Worry and strangle. And then look at your life. And do an analysis, self-analysis to realize, is worry strangling the life out of me? Because that's not what God wants for us. He's got no hope for us to do and be strangled out of life because we worry so much. Worry strangles our peace of mind and our enjoyment of life. There's a direct connection between fear and worry. We often get clouded by the what-ifs of this world that strangle out our joy our peace, our confidence in God and in his promises. Worry strangles the life out of us and can bring us to a point where we feel like we can't continue. And unfortunately, more and more people are making that choice every day. Suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. But we've got a way to get through this. We need to work on striking the negative what-ifs out of our heads and be reminded by what God's promises say. Matthew 6, 27, and the voice says, Worrying does not do any good. Who here can claim even one, excuse me, claim, add even one hour, or an hour, sorry, to his life by worrying? It says it right there. We can get no more life by worrying. It's not going to take us any further. But you know what? It sure can do some other things. Worry has a lot of negative effects on our health. It can lead to heart problems. Fatigue, breathing problems, shakes, increased blood pressure, along with a lot of other symptoms that I'm not even going to touch on. God wants us to live a healthy life for him, not a life of fear and worry that takes our life away from us. Philippians 4, 6 in the voice says, Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your request. So talk to God about the needs, your needs, and be thankful for what he has to come. He works all things out for good. We can be thankful for what's going on. We don't got to make all these negative stories in our head of all the bad things that are coming. We can think about all the good things that he can do in whatever situation we're in. It's just a perspective change because his promises tell us we can do it. 
But again, it's that meditation, right? If we're praying about everything, that's a meditation in God's, in God's eyes. All right? We go on to Matthew 6, 33, 34. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We can stop right there, go home, and leave if we do it. But often, I'm not seeking God's kingdom first. You know, I say it to the kids over there all the time when I teach them. If God's your best friend, why aren't you telling people about him? Right? But here, if we seek the kingdom of God first, worry is wiped away. But instead, we go to worry first, and then we bring God in the equation. All right? We don't have to worry about tomorrow because God's got it all taken care of. And it goes, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. If we can't take care of today, how are we going to take care of tomorrow? I'm not saying don't plan. That's not what I'm saying. But we don't got to worry about it because God's got it under control if we trust him. All right? In these last two scriptures that I shared, God tells us exactly what we need to do. We need to seek the kingdom. Here it says, seek the kingdom above all else. There's other translations that say, seek the kingdom first. We seek the kingdom first. There's no way if we've got our mind on God, that we can have our mind on worry. They don't work together. Nobody can split their mind and think about two different things. So if we put the king on the throne, worry goes out the door. But when we make worry our king, the king goes out the door. So we must seek first the kingdom and we must pray. Easy to say, hard to do, to be honest. But let's think about it. Anytime our hearts and minds are fixed and focused on the thousands of things that we can ultimately not control, we are, we are determining the direction of our lives. You know, I coach a lot of sports, and I tell my players all the time, they'll get mad at the referee or something. I'm a referee, so they can, whatever. But worry about the things you can control. Worry about the things you can control. If you play within your own box and you worry about those things, we're good, but we worry about everything else. We take our focus off what we're actually supposed to be doing. So it's, a, it, it's an easy to say fix, a hard fix to do. Our lives will eventually become all the things that we worry about. They will end up occupying our thoughts, decisions, actions, and our health. So we have to make a choice. Will we worry or will we worship? I believe worry is overrated. And it gets way too much credit. So I'm going to choose to worship today, and I hope that you all will too. So when you think about a worshiper in the Bible, who are you drawn to? Who comes to your mind first? I love that answer. All right. We're, we're, we know many worshipers. There's Paul and Silas who are singing in prison. There's King David who wrote many of the Psalms. But there's also the best worshiper in the Bible is Jesus. And the way he worships his father in heaven. Following his commands. Living a life not for himself, but for the will of his father. An example that we can all have. So as we move from this idea of worry to worship today, we have the example of Jesus by the way he lived. However, today, we're going to take a different look at worship. Worship it does not just have a one-word meaning. It actually, there's... 
several words, but mostly seven Hebrew words that define it, represent worship to work through these things. Today, we're going to go through three of them, all right? But we must first seek first the kingdom through worship so that we can get our minds off the worries that the enemy tries to trip us up with. The first of the three Hebrew words that we're going to work through today is yada, not yoda, yada, all right? So how many of us have heard this word before? Yada. All right? Our praise and worship leaders, which is a great thing, right? Because they lead us to this, right? And I saw maybe one or two other hands. Great. So guess what? Everybody's got something to learn today, right? So we're not here wasting time, which is good, all right? But what yada means is to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out hands. Now, you might not have known what it means, but a lot of you do it. It's always good to know what you're doing, Right? The raising of hands in praise can be found in the New King James Bible 114 times, according to scholars. Now, I know I'm getting to some sticky areas here. All right? But please remember, these are not my words. These are the words of the good book. Before we go any further, I want you to think of the places and times where we raise our hands. In school, kid, kids raise their hands to ask a question, to get somebody's attention, to give a high five to a friend or teammate. But these last two examples that I'm going to share with you really drove the concept home to me. Think about somebody surrendering to a police officer or authority, right? They surrender. They're no threat. They're going without a fight. When we surrender to an authority, we raise our hands to show surrender and turn ourselves completely over to them with no fight. Another example that just crushed my heart, is it caught my attention, is an example of somebody who wants to be picked up, such as a small child in front of their parents who wants to be hugged. Mama, dada, full surrender. Help me. When does this happen? Most of the time when they're fearful of something or they want something, right? <laughs> As a parent, what a feeling it is when your children, when they were young and they came up to you and raised their hands and asked for you to pick them up. Often in that time of need. My son is in third grade, Drew, and he's getting like up to my hip now. He's nine. But he'll still be like, Dad. I'm like, dude, it hurts. But come on, get up here. I'll get you as long as I can, Right? When I'm in a state of worry and it's occupying my mind, it's good to know I can reach out to God and he can make me feel secure. When I take my focus off worry and focus towards God, I can change my attitude of worry into an attitude of worship. Now let's get back to yada. Think about what our body posture is saying and what it's portraying to God when we raise our hands in worship. Lord, I surrender to you. I need your help. I need your care. I can't do this on my own. This is the opposite of what worry does when it strangles us. The raising of hands through worship, we surrender all of our worries over to God, realizing that he is faithful, he is just, he is true, that he works all things for good and allows us to reflect on his goodness, which brings life to us rather than death. So here's what David has to say in the Psalms, Psalm 64, or 
So I bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. So we've got examples of this. David was a man of ups and downs. Not perfect and made some huge mistakes. I can relate. But what I, what I want is to be like David. Look at what God had to say about him. In Samuel 13 and in Acts 13, 22, it says, The Lord has sought out David, a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince and ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The red, a man after his own heart. In Acts, it says something similar. He raised up David to be their king. Of him he bore witness and said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after his own heart, who will do my will and carry out my program fully. If God says David is a man after his own heart, that's something I want to be. And if David is raising his hands to the Lord, then I'm surely going to follow his example. After all, praising God is what we were created to do here. We can see it in Isaiah 43. My people, the ones whom I chose and created for my own, will sing my praise. It's right there. And then we go on to the next one that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is what we're here to do. Part of God's great plan is he created us to praise and worship him through song, through raising of hands. So I'm still breathing, so it looks like I have some worshiping to do. If we praise and worship is part of God's plan, then I want to be part of it. After all, why not practice here on earth what we're going to do in heaven? Because worship is a big part of it. So one way to worship is through, through the worry is to lift our hands and surrender, to reach out to God, the one who has all the answers, to care for my burdens, the one who gives me peace and provides me with strength. Who can say an amen to that? Amen. The second part of worship that I'd like to speak about today is a different Hebrew word, and it's called Shabbat. And this goes along to say, to address in a loud tone. To shout. Right? We've heard songs that say, shout unto the Lord. Right? This is biblical. It's there. To commend, to give glory and triumph. Let's think about times when we shout. I shout to get somebody's attention. I shout to tell somebody to stop. I shout to celebrate. I didn't get to celebrate last Sunday because my Raiders lost. I was not shouting. Or if I was shouting... I wasn't shouting good things, <laughs> right? So we shout for several different reasons. There are several scriptures that show what Shabbat, a shout, can do. So let's take a look at Joshua and Jericho. And I'm just going to give you a, a, just a paraphrase of what took place there. It said, the captain of the Lord's host explained to Joshua what he was to do to take Jericho. Joshua was to send the soldiers of Israel marching around Jericho one time for the next six days. Stop. I didn't put this in my intro, but many of you know I was in the Marines. None of my platoon commanders, no captains, no colonels ever said, hey, go march around the city and take it over. All right? It always took some sort of physical battle to do it. So first of all, 
This makes no sense in everybody's eyes besides God's. All right. The priests were to go behind the soldiers, blowing seven trumpets of the ram's horn before the ark. Then on the seventh day, so six days of walking once, tooting horns and all that good stuff, right? Not saying anything. But on that seventh day, they were to encompass the city seven times. Walk around it seven times while the priests blew their trumpets. And at the completion of this, they were to make a loud blast with the trumpets and all the people were to shout. All right. And what takes next, happens next, is a miracle. All right. What happened after that is the walls of Jericho fell down flat. The soldiers entered the city and destroyed it and burned everything. I've never in my life seen anything, let alone walls, fall because I've shouted. I've heard of people singing and cracking glass, right? But I've never heard about walls falling down. And when you think about wall, this isn't just a plaster and, and framed wall. These are fortified walls be, to protect the city. These are no small things. But a shout was able to take it down. God has given us the ability to shabak, shout for victory. The army's shout brought down the walls. The army's obedience brought them the victory. When it didn't make sense, they went along with the plan. How many things in our lives don't make sense? And we evacuate the plan because it does. We can learn a lot from the soldiers. Here's another example of shouting. It's in Psalms 98. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. All right? We have this ability to shout to the Lord. And then when we do, it blocks out that worry. Shabbat means to shout. And according to Strong's Dictionary, that shout can be translated into a war cry. How many of us are at war with worry? We can shout to the Lord as a war cry to overcome our worry. If a war cry brought down the, the walls of Jericho, think about what it can do to the worry in our lives. If we're shouting to the Lord, there is no way we can focus on the worry that binds up our minds. We can't have our mind in two places at the same time. There's another word that goes along with the shabak and the shout, and it's rout which means to move noisily, confuse, make a noise, discomfort, break, consume, crush, destroy, and trouble. By shouting the Lord, we can foil the enemy's attempt to hinder us with worry by routing. A praise shout is a weapon of spiritual warfare. Right now, I'm sitting here. You may be sitting here. You may be distracted. You may be not focused. Because this isn't something that you thought you were going to hear today or the vessel that you thought it was going to come from. But we're going to take a second and we're going to refocus. I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to put my place, myself in an uncomfortable place. And we're all going to do it. All right? But I'm going to shout unto the Lord. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. This is the day that you have made, Lord. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, you are a good God. We praise you, give you all the glory, all the power. Thank you for the strength that you give us, Lord. Thank you for clearing our minds and letting us focus on you. We should give you all the praise and the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
So are you ready to refocus? Because on the count of three, it's not just my turn. It's your turn. All right? Ready? One, two, three. Dear Lord, you are a good God, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord. We praise you. You are honorful, Lord. You are so good. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for the honor. I love you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. You are so good to us, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Thank you, Jesus. For some of you, that may be the very first time you ever did it. But guess no, you're not alone anymore, right? God's with us. All right? A praise, a shout is a weapon of spiritual warfare. We can use it. Why would we go to war with a gun and no bullets? It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. If we've got the weapon and the worry comes, we can put it into action. Right now, I'm past that part. So God says that in Isaiah, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So when this worry creeps up, we can shout unto the Lord. We can raise our hands and we can get rid of this worry by using weapons of worship. The last word that I want to share with you this morning is barak, which is a posture of praise. The word means to kneel, to bless as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, and to thank. Now, when you think about God, we praise him, we salute him, we thank him, hopefully daily, right? But I go back to when are times when we kneel or salute, right? When I was in the Marines, I had to salute officers because they were senior in rank to myself, right? And if I didn't, I'd get in trouble, all right? But what I was doing is it was showing respect and honor to them. Sometimes people kneel when they're surrendering. I remember seeing back in the Persian Gulf War when the Americans would come up, the Iraqi soldiers would be on their knees with their hands up in the air, surrendering because they didn't want anything. They didn't want to fight. They just wanted to be able to get home safely. They gave full surrender, all right? So we can use the word barak, which means kneel down and praise. Another Hebrew word that falls under the same category is shakeshua. And I, I had, so just listen to this, all right? I'm being totally transparent right now. I had to go in my thing, how to pronounce, put the word in, and then there was a button I pressed, and it told me how to do it, all right? Because there's no way I'm figuring this stuff out. I'm a phys ed teacher. I'm not an English teacher, all right? But shakeshua means to bow down. All four of these postures of worship, raising our hands, shouting to the Lord, bowing or kneeling before the Lord, entail two things. We must be humble and we must show honor. There's no way we can move forward without doing those two things. But for a lot of us, that's hard to do. I remember... When I started attending RLC 21 years ago, I was a baby Christian. I was 25 years old when I came through the doors here. I didn't know a whole lot about God, but God surrounded me with some very, very godly men, men who I could learn from, follow their example, and when, even when it was really uncomfortable, men like Joe Pelosi, Tom Millard, and Vince Heck. These men were wonderful examples to me as a young man who didn't know a whole lot. 
I had Pastor Jeff and Pastor Gabe, but they were pastors. They weren't at my level. I didn't, I was like, so they're supposed to do that. I was just, whatever. But when these men worshiped God the way they did, they showed me a true, authentic love for Jesus that I wanted. I wanted what they had. So without them even knowing, they were helping me get down the path that I'm on today. These men were worshipers and they loved Jesus. I remember being at praise and worship and singing, here I am to worship. In that song, there are lyrics that say, here I am to bow down. And all three of those men, without even taking a blink, they're just like this while they're worshiping. And I was like, that's weird. I'm being honest, that's weird. I want nothing to do with it. But I want what they've got. I want what they've got. So maybe I gotta be a little weird, <laughs> right? They bowed down and sung the song with reverence to God. I had never seen myself as a hand-raising, bowing down to God person when I was 25. But I wanted what those men had, so I had to do what Pastor Jeff says. I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I had to remember being, I remember being concerned with who would see me and what people would think and what people would say. But I wanted the God that those men had. And I wanted it now. That day, I truly changed my, pro, my posture of my heart solely to God and showed him his reverence and honor, which has shaped my worship with God ever since. Bowing to God in worship allows me to show him his worth to me. Psalms 95, 6 and 7 says, So let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker in reverent praise and supplication. For he is our God and we are his people in his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He tells us what to do. We've got the answers to the test. Worry's a test. We've got the answers. It's absolutely amazing that God sets us up so well. Philippians 2, 9, verses 9 through 11 say, So God raised him up to the highest place and gave him a name above all, so that when his name is called, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and below, and every tongue will confess, Jesus the anointed one is Lord, to the glory of God our Father. So guess what? Really? If you don't bow here, you're going to bow there. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's start practicing now, right? Let's get it all under control because he's going to send us down that road anyways. I want to be good at what I'm supposed to do. I want to be figuring it out in heaven, <laughs> right? Our father has a desire for us to show him reverence and honor through our actions and words, as we can see here in these last scriptures. Once again, when worry rushes in like a flood and tries to overwhelm us and fill our minds, we can use the tool of worship to cast it away. We can't worship and worry at the same time. But when, we, but when we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to God, we can do this by getting on our knees. We can wipe the spirit of worry away. As most of you know, Queen Elizabeth went on to be with the Lord this week. As usual, when a person of importance passes away, details of their lives surface. 
I was blown away at a quote that came from the queen this week. A true example of humility and reverence. At one point during the queen's reign, the queen was with some reporters, and she said, I wish Jesus would come back in my lifetime. And then the reporters asked her why. And she said, because I would place my crown at his feet. Think about that. The fact that a queen here on earth had a desire to place her crown at the feet of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is true worship. What a great example to us all. A person who had all authority on earth desired to take her crown off and worship Jesus rather than be worshipped herself. So today, God has provided us with some spiritual tools of worship that can help us in the war. It can help us in the fight of the battle of worry that most of us face each and every day. He's given us tools that we've talked about right here. Yada, to raise our hands in worship and reverence. Shabak, to shout in glory and victory. Barak, to kneel in praise. And Sheikh Shadow, to bow. These are tools that we can use each and every day. So as a teacher, I teach in three-step process. I usually explain it, and then I demonstrate it, which I've done all the way through, and then we participate in it. So Shelby's going to come on up here, and we're going to worship a little bit more. I truly believe that if we combine all these things together, we've got the kryptonite to worry These three aspects of worship together, raising our hands, shouting unto the Lord, kneeling at his feet, can break chains. Your issue might not be worry. It may be addiction. It may be gossip. It may be loneliness. You may need healing. But God has the ability to meet you right where you're at. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Shelby's going to play two songs for us, and we're going to worship. But before we do that, just please bow your heads. There will be some people here who will be very comfortable. And there will be some people who here will be very uncomfortable. Let's remember that Jesus was not comfortable on the cross, but he was willing to be uncomfortable for all of us. There are some people here today who have to turn their worries over to God, and now you have the opportunity to do this through words of worship that you learned today. You have heard this morning what God desires us to do. It is up to us through obedience to make it happen. If you're struggling with this idea of raising your hands in surrender or shouting to the Lord or bowing or kneeling before him, I ask during this time of worship that you ask God to search your heart as to why. When we worship, we must posture ourselves toward God. We want to worship with the right heart, and that heart is a sold-out heart. When the music begins, we believe God is going to have breakthrough in our lives. Let's worship the Lord. Let's release the worries. 
Please worship as God directs you. Let's God do the rest. Let's please stand together.